Hello, and welcome back to the season finale of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. And in Super Mercado Brothers season finale fashion, we are so happy to be joined by our third brother, Marty Brueggemann. What's Marty, up, Marty? thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me back, guys. It's been too long, officially yeah, on the really? Mercado Pod. Uh, yeah, this is so fun. One reason why we're bringing Marty back to Today is because today we're finally unveiling our episode spotlight featuring an exclusive interview with Takashi Tateishi, yeah. legendary Mega Man 2 composer. And Marty was there with us at MAGFest when we interviewed Tateishi-san, so it's only fitting to bring him back for this as well today. Marty, of that whole experience this year at MAGFest, I know it's probably just like a blur um, because it was such an exciting moment. What are some of the standout things that um, just kind of are still bumping around in your head from that whole experience? Really, it's the image of uh, Takashi Tateishi's face <laughs> that <laughs> just um, floats back into back into my his mind. Smile we had, and yeah, his we laugh. had such an incredible experience with him interviewing the legend himself, and then as I think he mentioned before on the podcast. Uh, he stopped by to catch some of our gig and yeah, he has <laughs> this infectious smile and really this incredible energy. And, you know, whenever you have the opportunity to meet someone that you really look up to, that's a hero, you definitely feel, you know, maybe sort of butterflies or excitement or whatever. But oh, there's yeah. another thing that you feel with Tateishi san which is his own personal energy and aura, his which is just yeah. really infectious and positive. He's just and a inspiring. happy, he's a very happy person. Completely. And you can hear yeah. that in his music. And I love my, one of my favorite elements of his music is when it's just this happy go lucky thing. And we're going to get plenty of that today. This is so fun, guys. We did this interview at MAGFest this past January. And so, yes, we've been saving it up. It's been in the vault for a while, waiting for a good time. And we thought a finale is the perfect time to do this. We're, we're really excited to get to that interview. We'll get to it pretty soon here. But before we do that, we're going to play a few tracks composed by Takashi Tateishi. In case there's anyone who's not familiar with this composer, just to kind of set him up a little bit, we'll go to that interview and then we'll play a lot more of his music after. Yeah, and I think the purpose of today's episode, in addition to presenting this interview, we kind of want to do a comprehensive look at Tateishi-san's entire career as a video game composer because it's something that I think often gets maybe just overshadowed by how successful, how beloved, and how famous Mega Man 2 and its soundtrack is. Right. And um, even though I, I think we all would <laughs> yearn for even more Tate Ishii-san music, <laughs> even to this day, yeah. that he really has had uh, quite the career when it comes to game composing, and there's all sorts of wonderful music he's written outside of that soundtrack. Absolutely. Well, let's start diving in. What you guys heard was a very fitting rock cover of Metal Man from Mega Man 2. And the artist is M-E-T or Met. Uh, I was uh, going through a lot of different remixes and covers, uh, uh, trying to find something fitting. Uh, I thought it was a good way to start off the episode with rock in our faces. Uh, so what? why don't we do this? Let's start. We're not going to be chronological today with our playlist, but we are going to start with the very first thing that Takashi ever composed. Uh, he does mention this in the interview this is a game called mad gear which is an fairly obscure arcade game uh, i know he was mentioning that it didn't sell very well uh and until recently this you were not able to find crediting that this was composed by tatashi right, so right. even within the past year i think that information has kind of come up so 
It's a game called Mad Gear, and we're going to play a few tracks from it today, but we're just going to start off with this. It's called Million Valley, which is stage six, and it's just so fun, so happy, such a treat. Let's take a listen to this from Mad Gear, composed by the wonderful Takashi Tateishi. Well, that's a blast. You guys are listening to Million Valley. I think this was a, a cool unveiling for Marty and Will. I don't think you guys have heard this before. No. Stage six from Mad Gear by the wonderful Takashi Tateishi. I'm just so glad we're doing this episode. Um, in instances where a composer is famous mostly for one project, mm-hmm. I think it's difficult even for admirers of that music to really get a sense of who that person is, their yeah. personality. Yeah. And um, we were, of course, fortunate enough to get to meet the man. But hopefully what will come across in today's episode Episode, is who is that unique human being and that's separate <laughs> yeah. from Capcom it's separate from the fame of Mega Man and yeah. it's right here in this song it's you just, can really it's hear so beautiful. that this is coming from the same mind as so much of that iconic right. Mega Man 2 music well especially like the Crash Man stage yes. um, right. the, uh, the, the kind of fun playful chromaticism that I think is just yeah. a big part of almost his natural mode of expression when it comes to writing well, and music. the optimism too something that will come out in the interview is really a lot of the cool attitude from Mega Man 2 that so many of us love may have come from other places may have come yeah. from the tradition of uh, Matsumai-san and from the developers of the game of course Takashi Tateishi is incredibly <laughs> cool but I have the sense that his spirit deep down is just really positive and oh, yeah. optimistic absolutely well, the other thing that I love about this track is it's it's really just so well composed and arranged. It's interesting to hear something before Mega Man 2 mm-hmm. that's a fuller, more lush, and more advanced, you know, arcade arrangement with all these FM instruments. It could have been, you know, the FM sound that made me think of Sonic, but it actually really reminded me of almost like the multiplayer music from Sonic oh, 2 or 3. Cool. Right. You know, like I could imagine it being some kind of... Uh, unused track for Sonic and Knuckles or something like that. Yeah, it's really interesting. There's so much actually that he did in that was released in 88 and 89. If you go back like 90% of his video game work was over those two years. And so this may have been released around the same time or even after Mega Man 2, but he definitely worked on this mm-hmm. before. Uh, so so that is so fun. Let's play another arcade game that was composed by Takashi Tateishi and Manami Matsumai. This is F1 Dream. 
And we were thinking about how can we include a piece of music from this because all we know is that it was this collaborative soundtrack by both of them. And even that wasn't known until very recently too. <laughs> sure. Uh, so that's cool. But this track, I was listening to the whole score and I got to this track and there was no doubt in my mind that this is Tateishi here. Uh-huh. I think most of the score has a Manami flavor to it. Very jazzy, you know. But this sure. one, there's rhythms and melodic points that remind me of Dr. Wiley, to be mm-hmm. honest. And it just, to me, it's clear that this is composed by Tateishi. So let's enjoy uh, this track from the arcade game F1 Dream. This is F3000 Final Race 2. gift this is f3000 final race 2 isn't this delightful to so hear good. new Amazing. unearthed takashi tateshi music and i'm so grateful for all of the all of the you know passionate folks out there that are tirelessly working to try to find more crediting for obscure games uh, that were not previously credited to the right people and so this is absolutely amazing it's so classic it, it really feels like if you we were saying if you heard this with that nes coat of paint it would fit right well, it's home. almost like distilling Mega Man all 2. of the elements of what make his music great because that last track that we played i think you were making a good point marty that it's kind of in a way almost unearthing part of his like pure spirit and his personality yeah but this track it also has that i mean it has that mixolydian positiveness right. and the chromaticism <laughs> but it also has a lot of the like rock and almost like progressive soloistic elements that make so much of the Mega Man 2 soundtrack sensibility. yeah absolutely yeah. and another thing that's possible here there's no doubt that at least some of this is takashi composition but who knows maybe similar to airman maybe minami came in and adds added some of those soloistic I was yeah. elements getting, to it too I, yeah i was having flashes of airman during that more soloistic section and what a great segue. We are now going to play a track from Mega Man 2. And this is so wild that <laughs> this is our spotlight episode. <laughs> we're setting up the composer that composed Airman from Mega Man 2. It's what we're about to play now. It's just insane. I still am in disbelief that we got that opportunity. So let's take a listen to Airman, which is one of our favorite tracks from Mega Man 2. We actually performed this in the band. And so this is a, a tune that's very near and dear to, to all well, of us. Not only do we perform it in the band, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the gentleman, the man of the hour himself uh, actually watched yes. watched us play this song. Absolutely. That was a life-changing moment. I don't think a moment we'll ever forget. Let's take a listen to Airman, composed by Takashi Tateishi. Mm-hmm. 
legendary video game music, folks. This is Airman from Mega Man 2, and it's such a wonderful story because of the close proximity of the offices of Capcom at the time and all the, the audio people. Minami Matsumai and Takashi Tateishi were working very close to each other, and because of that, in this piece of music, uh, Takashi actually had a little bit of um, a writer's block. He got to a certain point, he didn't know where to go with it. Minami stepped in and composed eight measures of that really fast shredding section of a yeah, melody. definitely composed what no one would have expected. Absolutely, case, and then yeah. Takashi, inspired by that energy, takes the reins back and composes a killer chorus. Well, what I love about that Minami moment, it's like, it reminds me of like finding out that Koji Kondo wrote that really interesting track uh, In from, Wings? Uh, from Odyssey. Actually. Oh yeah, right, right. what's the uh, what's the, the Garden the Grove? Steam Gardens. Steam Gardens. Yeah, where it's just like what? Not Garden Grove. <laughs> that that doesn't. Yeah, sorry. He, not the, he, he wrote the Sublime. He wrote King. Garden no, Grove. but uh, I just can't. It, it's like so crazy and progressive. And when I think of Minami, I think about these great melodies. I think of that jazz sensibility. But I think of a lot of her music is. Like pure and simple, mm -hmm. and so for her to just come out with this crazy shredding, like guitar esque solo is so awesome. And it's like they both influence each other here. Yeah. Clearly, she's influenced by the energy and the sort of lift of this music. But then her just incredible writing in those right. eight measures, I think, probably could have influenced the next turn into. Well, you start that to wonder if chorus. she maybe had an instinct of the kind of thing that could spur Takashi on, yeah. could yeah. inspire the next section. And like we're saying, that chorus, that's maybe the ultimate piece of, oh my God. of music it's, that represents the It's man. textbook yes. Mega Man, you know? Yeah. Just those great harmonies, really powerful rock aesthetic. The rhythms are catchy. The melody itself is just really beautiful and exciting. When we get to that section in the band, it's just we're all just on cloud nine. It's so fun and exciting. And then there's a great end of that story where Takashi would return the favor with UN Squadron, right. and he would contribute a track um, to UN Squadron for his fortress. Uh, so it's just a wonderful story. Yeah, that chorus, it has all the optimism we're talking about, but it has the cool attitude. It has the, yes. Yes. yeah, that rock kind of rhythm. It's, yeah, it's just perfect. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's like if there's one little excerpt of all of Takashi's <laughs> right. music to kind of represent him as a composer, I mean, that's it. You have the rhythmic energy, you have the optimism, like you said, but it's just infectious, catchy, and deeply singable and it's yeah, totally. the kind of thing that would get stuck in your head well guys without further delay we are incredibly excited to finally unveil our interview with legendary video game composer takashi tateshi recorded this past january at magfest enjoy Tateishi-san, uh, we wanted to welcome you to the United States and to MAGFest. On behalf of all fans of video game music, we're so grateful for your attendance this weekend. All three of us have been extremely inspired by your music, and we're honored to get this time with you today, so thank you. I was really looking forward to meeting you today. Thank you for coming all this way as well. We understand your parents were school teachers and played piano. Could you tell us a little bit about your early musical training? Yes, that's correct. They taught elementary school. In order to become a school teacher in elementary school, you have to be able to play piano up to a certain level. I believe that my parents made sure I learned piano so that I too could become an elementary school teacher. 
By the way, I'm one of three children. My two older siblings did in fact become elementary school teachers. I'm the only one who steered away from that career path. Oh, and we're three people. Oh, there are uh, three Super Mercado Brothers. When did you first compose your own original music? Was it at the piano when you were taking lessons as a kid? I was in elementary school, so I believe I was between 12 and 13 years old. I wonder if you'd know what I meant if I said hikigatari genre, which is singing to one's own accompaniment. That's how I first started writing my own music. Did this original music have lyrics? Yes, it did. Do you remember any of the words to the song? Even if I remembered, I wouldn't sing it for you because it's too embarrassing. However, I do believe that this era has influenced me throughout my career, and that most of my music can be sung. You mentioned influences. What were some of your specific musical influences? Uh, let me think. Generally speaking, I would list mostly Japanese musicians, but in terms of instrumental music, at the time the genre of fusion music was quite hip in Japan. Japanese fusion artists have had a great impact on me, as well as the band Mezzo Forte from overseas. Yellow Magic Orchestra? Oh, yes, of course. Anyone my age is definitely influenced by Yellow Magic Orchestra. What were your impressions of video game music before you worked in the field, and did you ever imagine working in that field yourself? There was a game called Ikari Warriors by SNK, and I really, really liked the music in it. Whenever I would hear the music from it, I could feel my blood well up. I would get very, very excited. I remember thinking to myself that I wanted to create something that would do that for others. So that score was the first thing that made me want to write video game music myself. But before that, the thought never really crossed my mind. My first job was at an advertisement firm. We realized that the popularity of Mega Man 2's music in America was something of a secret for you until recently. In case it hasn't already been said, it is truly one of the highest quality and most influential game soundtracks of all time. Our question is, how did you first become involved in the project, and how did you feel about following your colleague, Manami Matsumai? Yes, that is true. I really had no idea. Honestly, until recently, people didn't come up to me directly to tell me that they liked my work on Mega Man 2. So, like I said, I had no idea that it was still so popular. That being said, I started working on Mega Man 2 because Miss Matsumai, who worked on Mega Man 1, was too busy. When I started working on Mega Man 2, I was already a huge fan of Mega Man 1. I was really happy to have the opportunity and I had a lot of motivation to do well. Part of the massive influence of Mega Man 2 is its powerful rock aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Every Mega Man game that followed seemed inspired by your work. What were some of your stylistic goals for the soundtrack? I did try to compose my phrases so that they felt like guitar leads. I focused on writing phrases with an emphasis on the beats, so that the phrase would sound as if it had a rock beat to it. Then I would write a whole piece around that. It was almost like writing a good phrase first and then stretching it out. One of the most popular beats in the game that so many games have been influenced by is that... <laughs> almost like you're riding a horse. The rock gallop. Yeah, it's so good. So was, was that rhythm something that was your idea? Was that something you heard in rock music of the time? 
Yes, at the time, there weren't that many video games using phrases like that, so I did think to myself that if I used that a lot, it would stand out. Much of the music in Mega Man 2 is highly chromatic, uh, using notes outside of the traditional major or minor keys, yet it's incredibly catchy. Could you talk about how you approach chromaticism in your writing? There just seems to be chromatic. A lot of chromaticism. Oh, yes, I see what you're saying. When you're limited to three notes at a time, you have to have faith in the player's auditory experience and trust that they will fill in the voids and blanks mentally, if that makes sense. When you normally listen to a piece of music polyphonically, even slight dissonance causes discomfort. But when you only hear three notes at once, even when the music heads to a direction that should cause this discomfort, the player will make believe the pleasant notes subconsciously to counter it. That's why it's more forgiving in this era to use notes that don't fit, because the player will take care of the rest themselves. Well, to us, it was really exciting and cool. And it yeah, almost sounded yeah. like it was characterizing the robot villains as bad. <laughs> That's why whenever someone takes the soundtrack and arranges it to be performed, it sounds different depending on the person who arranged it, because they interpreted the chords differently. The original score is lacking in very critical ways, so people who arrange it are expressing their own ways of filling it out. We'd like to talk about some specific Rockman 2 tracks, starting with the password theme. Yeah. We love everything about this piece. It's memorable, it's effective, even at a very short length, and it uses this beautiful jazzy harmony, even with the limited channels of the Famicom. And then, and then the second half. Mm. Yeah, minor um, to major. <laughs> and we just, we love, we love it so much. Uh, what memories do you have of working on that piece of music? For that theme, I wanted to write something light and airy. I wanted to sidetrack from the phrases that were predictable or expected once you heard a part of it or the beginning of the sequence. I wanted the player to be lifted off to an unexpected place, as if they had been floated off. As for the jazzy harmony, I really don't know enough about jazz. I just shoved as many phrases as I liked into my compositions. Now, we understand that many of the pieces you first wrote for the soundtrack were rejected by the developers. How would you compare the styles of your initial approach with the final soundtrack? The pieces that I wrote in the beginning were all too cute. This was in part because of the work that Miss Matsumaya did first. I think that the pieces that didn't make the cut would be considered adorable or even comical. When these were all rejected and I listened to the feedback, I understood that Akira Kitamura wanted cooler sounding tracks. That's why the only one that I was left with was Crash Man. Mm. Which is a little cute, but yeah. also rocks. Very cute indeed. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Are you happy with your surviving work in Mega Man 2? Do you like the music that you did the second time around better than the first? I'm extremely satisfied. In fact, when Akira Kitamura said he wanted cooler sounding soundtracks, I remember thinking to myself, that's my jam, both on a personal level, but also that was really the kind of music that I wanted to write and was better at writing anyway. As for which I prefer, definitely the latter. The tracks that made it to the final video game are by far better. I don't even remember the tracks I initially wrote that never made it into the game. We're curious to know, how do you typically begin a piece of music, and how do you approach melody? 
When we spoke with Minami Matsumai, she mentioned that she actually came up with the stage select jingle while riding the train. For you, is melody often something that you come up with at the keyboard, or does it come to your mind in some other way? The first thing I do is try to write a phrase that stands out and feels very loud. In the case of Crash Man, I ended up repeating a catchy beat. I really like to repeat phrases that sound rich. I will then take that momentum and expand on it from there. And then, of course, eventually I'll go back and refine the melody. We love your music because it has these memorable melodies, but also catchy grooves and just really great uh, arrangements. Could you talk a little bit about how you use the different channels of the Famicom for arrangements? We have some odd examples. We know on the square channels of the Famicom, you can have these different sounds like this. Uh-huh. And then, Duty cycle. Yeah. And then you know you also used a technique of delaying the channels like this. And then... Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, basically, just if you could talk a little bit about how you... Uh, would envision arrangements with the Famicom. Sure, I get what you're asking me. One channel has the triangle waveform. That channel is solely dedicated to bass tones, like toms. Then you have channels that play the main melodic tracks. So first you have the bass channel, then the two main channels, and then noise. This noise track doesn't play if there are sound effects that use it during gameplay. In terms of the arrangement, honestly, I can only say that Miss Matsumai did it that way, and I just followed suit. I was given her data, and I used that as a guide. You mentioned uh, arranging for the different channels, you know, the melody, bass, and the other. Uh, but one track in particular, Metal Man, stands out as not only an incredible piece, but a really fantastic arrangement. Uh, the melody is great, and the arrangement is great, and the programming is great. Can you elaborate on your process of writing this track? Hmm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. With this particular piece, I really wanted to embody the idea of a cog, especially this part. Is inspired by the way that the teeth of cogs would fit together after turning the gears. I wanted the piece to have a mechanical quality to it. Well, in case you haven't heard, in America, Dr. Wily's theme is one of the most famous, beloved, and covered video game pieces of all time. It really is as legendary as Mario, Final Fantasy, or Zelda. How did the composing of this piece begin? Did it seem special to you at the time? It should be played many times. <laughs> Hit song number one. Wow. <laughs> Would you understand what I meant if I said, my gratitude is overflowing? It makes me very happy to hear this. When I focused very hard on writing a track that Akira Kitamura would call cool, I really wanted to push forward a track that would invoke the sound of guitar playing. So I started with this part. And then kept going forward. I worked around that phrase and tried to lengthen it. It ended up being Akira Kitamura's favorite track. He liked it so much that he requested that I write another one that was similar to it. And that really stumped me. And so the next track I wrote after was Woodman. 
Yes, I can hear that. It also did do the. I'm curious, you mentioned that you were trying to make it sound like guitar music. Do you yourself play guitar and have you ever written music on guitar? No, absolutely not. What I'm drawn to so much, though, is that there are phrases in Mega Man 2 that only a guitar could do justice to. If I'm reborn into a person, I would switch from keyboard to guitar in a heartbeat. But the, your melodies are so strong. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that when you're writing at the piano, you're really thinking about melody. Oh, Our melodies, yeah. that's why people can sing them to this yeah. day. You know, they're just so beautiful. What are some other soundtracks outside of Mega Man 2 that you have fond memories of working on? I know I really love the soundtrack to uh, Coco Run. Uh -huh. um, and I like the time. Are there some other soundtracks that, uh, that you have fond memories of working on? So, do you remember earlier I was talking about the tracks that were too adorable for Mega Man 2 that ended up being rejected? Those tracks were actually very similar to my Kokoron pieces. While we didn't necessarily use the same exact rejected pieces, very similar feeling tracks were used in the end for Kokoron. Also, there was this game that did not do well at all in the market whatsoever, but it was my debut arcade game. It's called Mad Gear. I quite enjoyed working on that, and I actually just found out for the first time that it's back on the market. Chip music is actually increasingly popular these days, and there's some customized software to make original Famicom music. I was wondering if we could show you an example of that software and see if it's at all similar to how you worked on the Famicom at Capcom. Dude, this is better than what we had back then. <laughs> Nothing like this existed at the time. We had to write the music, put the score on sheet music, and a person had to manually convert and program this information into a computer sequence. Do you remember the names of any of the programmers who worked on Rockman 2? Yuki-chan's papa. Yuki-chan's papa. His real name was Yoshihiro Sakaguchi. Mr. Sakaguchi also did the sound for Street Fighter 1. We find it so sad that there were so many fans of your music in America, but that this information didn't get back to you in Japan. Matsumai-san and others have shared a similar experience. Given the large audience that loves your work, would you ever consider more game composing in the future? I've been repeatedly asked, especially since coming here, if I wouldn't try writing video game scores again. Honestly though, I haven't been a part of the music industry in so long. I do business management now. I wonder if I even know how to write music anymore. You know, I'd read once that you had said when you were younger you had dreams or ambitions of being a famous composer, but we just want you to know that in America and among people who love video game music, you are, are a famous composer. You are a famous composer. <laughs> we hold you on the level, you know, Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, <laughs> you know, Chopin, yeah. seriously, Paul McCartney, you know, yeah. Led Zeppelin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
That makes me very happy. Yes, it's true, I did want to be a famous composer as a child. I have no such ambitions now, though. I am, however, very excited to hear that my music is still cherished. And I'm sure this week and this weekend you will see so much of that. I think you will be overwhelmed by the love that, that we all have. I see, but my greatest legacy is how 30 years since I've written my music, I get to meet all of you today. Well, from thank, so many different places. Thank you so much for your time. It's been thank an you. absolute oh, pleasure yeah, to yeah, speak yeah. with you. It, it yes. really, you are one of our musical heroes. So what an honor. Three of us, the three of us are <laughs> composers <laughs> ourselves, and we've all three of us have worked on some video games before. <laughs> <doing music. laughs> and your music is. Uh, the gold standard of well, what we're we're actually covering Airman uh, in an hour. <laughs> we're, oh, we're playing wow. a show in an hour. I would never have come to Washington, D.C. if it weren't for this. I am so pleased. And we actually, uh, this is original music that we've made all together and a new album that I've made that's インスパイアドバイヨーワークウィドアああえっとですねこれは2つのアルバムでえっとこれはみんなで3人で作った曲でこれはまだオリジナルなんですけれどもまたオリジナルなんですけれどもあのやはりやはり6万通にインスパイア
yeah. a handful of our tunes. Yeah. We it, started with Airman. It was interesting. And we, then we, he stayed for We a had few to others. just completely have a new plan of like, okay, set list, be damned. <laughs> as soon as we see him, we launch into Airman. We launched Air into Airman. <laughs> yeah, so maybe the maybe we did one track first yeah. and then immediately into Airman. Yeah. Needle scratch. Sound. And then <laughs> and we then did uh, another thing that wasn't planned, but that we decided to do when he was there was we played Planet One from Robo Girl mm-hmm. 2, which Marty, you also got to give him a copy of in addition that to Mega Buster. Yeah, yeah we gave him copies of moment. two CDs, a uh, RoboGirl 2, um, kind of an early release version, mm-hmm. and Mega Buster. And, and he was, was so honored yeah, by that. what was funny that. is he really seemed to take it as an honor, which... It was a gift, I think, yeah. to him. Yeah. yeah. And that's what but, we intended. That's definitely the spirit in well, which and we Well, it's so bizarre it, yeah. because, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, name specific names, but I've even been sure. with you before when you've given music like that to other, like, American songwriting or music sure, heroes sure. in mm-hmm. the response is so different. Oh, different it's kind yeah. of like oh another one of these kids giving me one of his demos <laughs> it's almost right. like yeah like a spam or like someone right. on the street but offering I, I was like so surprised pamphlet. like takashi yeah. tateshi's reaction like he looked at it like it was the grail that held christ's <laughs> he blood did. He like did. he was and so when, it was great the um that the robo girl disc had art from uh, alberto who did the uh, the design for the cover? He and Carlos mm-hmm. worked together on making the final piece, and yeah, he was really, really impressed. Well, I think with part of it of is that's not his normal life. How often has he has he ever had anything like that happen I to know. him? You know, he mentioned in the interview. He's a business manager now. He he's just so far removed from that world, and so that whole week at Magfest was an absolute trip really for cool him. moment at Magfest uh, the Q&A with him which was kind of a frustrating experience for mm-hmm. me because just i love the Magfest attendees but sometimes they can be a, a very specific not the most self-aware yeah and anyways uh but one of the highlights from that moment was when uh tateshi san said like this experience has inspired me i think when i go home i'm gonna buy a keyboard and maybe start you know messing around and he also yeah. said something so sweet that this whole experience is the highlight of one of the highlights of my entire life oh and so, so that great. really <laughs> warms so warms our up. hearts yeah and so the Carl, thing what did we play in with the interview from what was that from or, oh play was, out yeah yeah that, that was, was from coco Ron. yeah that was from coco Ron. that was stage theme two from coco Ron. we thought that was fitting since we did mention that we're going to play more coco Ron music uh, in a little bit here but yeah one last parting thought from that interview. When you're interviewing a Japanese composer, there's the language barrier. You have a translator. It's a totally different experience. You definitely can't get as much specific information as you want to get, especially for us. You know, we're such nerds. We just want to get every possible anecdote. Well, and but what we... you do get, I think, is an overall sense of uh, just positivity and I think appreciation. Well, respect. and the, uh, something that we're very grateful for, uh, like we mentioned, um, one of our translators, uh, Mia Uchida, is just we got to see really Tateshi-san's integrity and how much mm-hmm. he was really trying to communicate with the translator there at MAGFest that like, I don't know if you can explain this to them, but if you could try to like, he was, he really wanted us to understand the information right. that he was sharing. And so we're just so grateful that he had that 
a really gracious and giving spirit about him. Well, and similar uh, to our experience with Manami Matsumai, when we were actually able to communicate musically, either through singing or we had a little keyboard on our iPad. That's my favorite, yeah. Um, yeah, those experiences in my life, communicating with someone um, across a language barrier through music. The language some of, the of music. Most move, yeah, mm. some of the most moving memories. I well, have. let's keep going with Coco Ron. Let's now play stage theme three. And this was the one that Marty referenced in the interview. I think he sang a little bit of it to Tateshi-san. Uh, and this was one of Tateshi-san's other scores that he really enjoyed a lot other than Mega Man 2. And it's really one of his strongest scores other than Mega Man 2. It's a delightful score. Let's take a listen to stage theme three. guys are listening to stage theme three from Coco Ron composed by the delightful Takashi Tateishi again exploring that really happy-go-lucky side he mentioned in the interview that this is quite similar to the vibe of his music that was thrown out originally from Mega Man 2 and so it's great that he was able to have this project to really explore that side well it's interesting because uh, it's very poppy and catchy and infectious and everything but it doesn't have that driving intensity that the Mega Man 2 music does right and I think uh, what's interesting also about that is the form of this song is quite different from a lot of Mega Man tracks it almost has this extended introduction and then the catchy section I would think of is almost more like an A section Rather than like a chorus, where a lot Mm -hmm. of the Mega Man 2 songs almost have like the B section is a chorus. It's not like a it's not like a turn where a lot of video game tracks the A section's like the chorus and the B section's more like a bridge. Well, yeah, actually, a lot of the music on the score has much longer forms than what was custom for NES music at the time. And this kind of thing where there's an intro and then there's almost like a B intro Mm -hmm. before you get to the verse. Yeah, Marty, you were mentioning that this was actually a game that was worked on by Capcom folks, but it was under the name Takeru. Yeah, I want to say it was sort of done on the sly. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that much about the game, but I can't remember now, but there is some video from the video game historian where he's talking about Kokoran. Okay. And I believe he mentioned that it was actually a lot of Capcom developers that were working on it. And this is another example where maybe a a few years ago, three to five years ago, I think this information de- this Kokoran was definitely not credited to tateshi san a long time ago and so this was another thing that kind of yeah over i the think years maybe on the credits unearthed. it was an alias that's that was uh, a different alias mm-hmm. from from how he was credited on mega man 2 so delightful we'll go back to more Kokoran music in a little bit but now let's play another mega man 2 track it's great after that interview uh we can kind of really dive into to mega man 2 and and kind of reference some of the things that we talked about and that he brought up let's play flash man <laughs> 
from Mega Man 2. Here we go. Classic, you guys listening to Flashman from Mega Man 2, ah, composed by Tateishi, implemented by Sakaguchi. Yuka-chan's papa. <laughs> One of the most delightful things about the Mega Man 2 music is, again, just the clarity of all the writing in something that was so illuminating in talking to Tateishi-san. It, 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 it was so cool to find out that, um, first of all, that uh, Yuka-chan's papa was the person responsible for doing all of the like implementing, mm-hmm. but the idea that he actually had to write music down, sheet music mm-hmm. on yeah, paper. Yeah. like. I think that's so cool. This yeah. this really technological advanced computerized music, but kind of this old fashioned method of pencil on yeah. paper. It reminds me of composing. the blueprints that uh, Miyamoto and uh, Tezuka san shared right. from mm. the original Super Mario Brothers. There's something yeah. so I- imaginative and exciting about that type of creativity. Or it's almost like when Jordan Mechner was making Prince of Persia and he's yeah. like filming his brother running and jumping. Right, with and, the video camera. Or like out of this world, Eric Chahi like filming himself to do the rotoscoping. That, that real element, that like human tangible real world effect that you can almost feel that but what's so amazing about a piece like this is all the little filigree (laughs) if that was notated out i mean that's that's quite advanced to compose that without the feedback of hearing the actual well i mean this is this is vintage mega man too it has great melody great groove to it I love the harmonized sections. There's other sections with a delay. It's also placed in the perfect register for oh, the fan yeah. These instruments just sing beautifully. And these riffs are so strong that when you hear a rock band play these riffs, um, as long as you kind of get out of the way and perform it fairly well, it's just going to be such an enjoyable experience. We got to see Bit Brigade perform the entire game live to someone. Basically, I would maybe call him a speedrunner. Uh, I think someone he's a member of the phenomenal band, of their band, actually, the who game. does all the speedrunning and Boy, he was incredible. And to see a night. whole arena full of people watching and listening to that, including Tateishi-san, um, absolutely incredible. Well, it was kind of insane how fast he blew through all of the bosses at the end. Because at the yeah. end of Mega Man 2, you have to fight all of the stage they bosses before play you get that to boss Wily. So many times, yeah. yeah. Let's move on to a very obscure, one of the most obscure soundtracks that Tateishi-san worked on. And this is another one that I think was unearthed in the last few years. There was a game called Side Arms, which I think was released for arcade. Uh, and that had a different composer, but the Turbo Graphics, or I should say the PC Engine version, which was called Sidearm, Sidearms Hyperdyne, for whatever reason, had a lot of different elements to that game, including an entirely new soundtrack. And Takashi Tateishi composed that soundtrack. And it's classic. It's really rocking, really energetic. Let's play one piece from it. This is round one from Sidearms Hyperdyne. 
Oh my god, that is classic. It's wow, just, just a banger. It has everything that we love about his music. Rocking, driving, the the bass gallop. But it's like, it's going further. It's like more progressive. The utilization of the panning. It sounds so good. It seems like there's maybe an added confidence. Like this has to be post This is 1991, I want to say. Yeah, this is later, definitely. We gotta add this to the band. I'll double check the year. Yeah, yeah. we were saying as it was playing, oh, this would be perfect for the Mercado band. Oh my gosh, we absolutely got to add it. And it's so cool because now we can just share it with Tateshi san now that we're friends. Uh, yeah, this is this is an unlikely hit. Uh, if we did have a track of the week, this would be, um, this, this might be it. As far as just like unearthing something that most people yeah, haven't discovery. heard before. And it's, it's an amazing piece of music. It's a great score. This is only, I think, 44 seconds long, this song, which is classic NES era um, length there. But yeah, PC Engine, he makes it sound great. Let's go back to Mad Gear for the arcade. Uh, and let's play a piece of music. This one actually kind of reminded me of UN Squadron. I was getting some UN Squadron oh, vibes cool. on this one. This is stage one. It's called Capital from Mad Gear. Let's take a listen. The man is a genius. <laughs> this is a banger. Oh, you know, how can one he thing, not be composing so anymore? So that one thing good. he talked about is he was relieved when he was instructed to make more cool-sounding rock tracks for Mega Man 2 because he said, I'm honestly better at that anyway. And he, this is the kind of music he is just so natural at composing. It's so interesting to but listen that to. hook is so Yeah, great. it's so hooky, but this form, a lot of arcade music has longer forms, and so... It's just such a treat if you're a fan of Tateshi song. You get a lot of his music. This in the is score. honestly one of the best sounding arcade tracks I've ever heard. I <laughs> it's mean, it's so the early. The quality too. of the melody is so strong in every section, but the implementation is really strong right, too. Right, Because that's definitely something you guys have talked about before. Um, when you take the music out of the cabinet, the mixes sometimes don't make as yeah. much sense and the balances and everything. Boy, this really then, sounds terrific. Especially thinking about it's his first project. And he has so much confidence here wow. and is making this arcade chip sound sound really good and i was getting some un squadron vibes from this but 
what an amazing part of me wishes he never went to konami because i feel like in another universe he could still be composing today i mean there's so many game composers of that era that are still around doing stuff and i think Mm -hmm. he's he he could you know mop up the floor with them i mean it was something like this i mean i just imagine if that legacy continued on for decades not that it's a competition but Sorry, you can't compete. <laughs> you with can't that. compete. <laughs> yeah, I, I was checking the date, guys, and I guess that that sidearms, the PC Engine version came out December of '89, so okay, it was after great. Mega Man Two, but not substantially. So, let's play one more track from Mad Gear today before we leave this score. Uh, this is Net Wood Forest, which is stage two. Here we go. feels like we're video game archaeologists here unearthing a historic piece of music that everyone i'm sure is hearing those trademark dr wiley elements this is maybe the first time rhythm he was messing around with that it's so historic it's like listening to that one uh theme from hook that's very yeah i was just thinking that like when you Mm -hmm. listen to a a john williams theme that kind of sets the stage for a strong rhythm that's used later Later, yeah and it's very, it's definitely something that happens as composers. You're working on something you're maybe not even aware or you might be aware and, and choose to grab from, choose to grab from that bag. And it was but so yeah, good he something did. that's kind of working well, through your even, mind. Well, even great songwriters. I mean, any, any songwriter that you really love, it's like you can listen to songs that almost like anticipate where they would go in the future yeah absolutely guys i gotta say mad gear is a sleeper hit i mean it's just banger after banger these tracks are so strong so confident he sounds great on this arcade chip and if you're a fan of takashi tateishi and like us you're just yearning for more music do yourself a favor listen to all of mad gear it's incredible let's move on to the last track we're going to kind of analyze and discuss from Mega Man 2 today. And we did talk about this in the interview, but it would be wrong to, to leave today without having a little bit more of a deep dive on Dr. Wily's Stage 1, the most iconic piece of music uh, that Tateshi san composed in his career. We tried our best to communicate to him. Yeah, that just, this is one of the anthems yeah, of video game music. Just the level, the scope of popularity and, and just legendary status this piece has. I think we did a pretty good job. I don't know if he'll ever quite understand. I mean, there's a chance we may have we may have embarrassed him um, as <laughs> as it was. Um, he definitely seemed to to appreciate. I think he said the his praise. his uh, gratitude was overflowing. I believe. So let's take a listen to Doctor Wiley, Stage One from Mega Man Two. Doctor Wiley. 
is, folks. Dr. Wily, Stage 1, composed by the legendary Takashi Tateishi. It doesn't compute that we're talking about this piece in this setting. It's or, so or surreal. Even, I still can't still. fathom that this was ever composed. It's one of those just truly perfect well, and magical Well, the fact that we're able to, you know, analyze and discuss this in a finale episode is surreal, but that we got to interview the person who wrote this and be across, you know, a table from him is is absolutely surreal and we're so grateful for that experience and what an amazing piece of music he uh was so excited when he landed on this and tried to recapture it with with woodman and right. uh there's some similarities to it but this is i think his one of his strongest musical legacies that well he'll the, leave every aspect of it the melody the driving rhythms the form the varied sections uh something that just always stands out revisiting the Mega Man 2 music is in what a treble register the triangle bass is. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's something that a lot of chip tuners forget that they think the triangle bass should be in the register of an electric bass. But the thing is, they were writing this music to come across on cheap television speakers. Exactly. And I think the, that purity of all the parts and how audible everything is, you don't always get in a lot of modern chip tunes that take a more contemporary production right. aesthetic. It's also a more glued sound as far as the arrangement is concerned. The fact that we have our voices closer together yeah. uh, tends to be a lot more effective on the Famicom chip than when you really spread things out. Right. Well, it's an example where when you hear this in almost any other context, whether it's a rock band or a remix, it's almost never going to be as clear and as glued right. together as this original presentation. Well, and all right. of the arrangement decisions, that one thing that um, just, just, I, just floors me about this track is that little counter melody at the end of the phrase that emphasizes the Dorian so iconic it just it, and catchy it's so imaginative too it paints the the landscape in a really interesting way and it just it always gets my imagination it's the perfect going. little jewel to continue to kind of place throughout the the piece yeah. and it almost to me it almost represents Mega Man's heroism in this situation mm-hmm. yeah I think this is a track if anyone wants to be a composer you especially a video game composer you should really study this track the rhythm the melody the harmony everything about it is firing on such a high level it's and just I think, and I think people do I mean I imagine if anyone is aware of Famicom music a hundred years from now this is going to be one of those three or four pieces that yeah, they'll right. that they'll know completely mm-hmm. yeah so good. Let's move on to a couple more Cocoron tracks because they're so delightful and they make us so happy. Let's play character select map theme. Here we go. about this is for some reason this is embodying the spirit of the man for me like i i just see i see his right, face right. when i hear this music and 
it just really captures his spirit in a way that is just so delightful. Well, one of the questions that we asked him was about his use of chromaticism, and his response was really fascinating. <laughs> I to loved me that response because it's such a through line in a lot of his music. I mean, these outside chromatic pitches having a strong melodic function or like a riff function or in the bass right. writing, and it's interesting the way that he conceives it of about almost how your imagination fills in the gaps, especially due to sort of the limited channels that you couldn't voice really specific fleshed out harmonies. Right, right. And so by using chromatic pitches, it makes it feel like you have this full, almost like harmonic palette to but, work with. But there's right. also another thing that even if he didn't mention it in the interview, is really clear when he's coming up with melodies, he really likes the sound and the feel and the fun nature that those chromatic notes right, add yeah, to a melody. Right, yeah, because chromaticism yeah, can have attitude. so many different characters. It can be humorous, it can mm -hmm. be kind of strident or aggressive or demonic, yeah. um, but he almost consistently uses it in the same kind of function where playing with it, leaning into it in almost like a quirky, fun, or devious way, and that's a huge yeah, totally. part of his sound. The other thing that I love about uh, the opening of this piece is there's this, there's this great little vamp device and even though we wish we had so much more Takashi Tateishi music to draw from, from the library that does exist, there's so many great little vamps ingenious vamp grooves. devices. Well, usually it, that kick off a song. Well, he, yeah. he usually he said he kicked off his compositions that way. He would start with a catchy beat and then he would expand upon it. And then I think he said at one point that he would go back and refine you know, the melody later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the beat and the groove for Takashi Tateishi is is something that is always, when he's composing, well, always on his mind. what's great about the Famicom era, though, is even within that, it has to be melodic because you yeah. essentially have two voices that are communicating that mm -hmm. groove, so to speak. So it's not like now where someone could just voice a, a pretty basic chord on a keyboard. Like it, it has to be composed in a thoughtful two-part way. So those grooves, yes, it's catchy rhythmically. But there's more motion in but them. Yeah, than there's like, there's like melodic, chord. there's something melodic about it that would still make you want to sing even the vamps. Totally, you know? totally. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to one more piece from Coco Run. And this one, almost out of anything in the score, screams classic Capcom. <laughs> it's just an it's absolute hit. Minor key. Yeah, it's so, so pieces. good. And it's so fitting as we're getting close to the end of our episode, exploring the wonderful music of Takashi Tateishi. This is vintage stuff here. This is Stage Theme 5 from Kokoran. this man's music so much. I wish that I would be able to hear more of it in the future, but 
we have to kind of make do with what we have. Or do we? Stage theme Like, like you knows? mentioned, he seemed really inspired by his experience yeah. at MAGFest to maybe... Yeah, and the thing is, is like toe back in writing video game music now, I don't know that he would have the opportunity to do this kind of thing. I almost just want albums from him. You know, yeah. I don't care if it's just music. It doesn't need to be for a game. We should tell him that. We should tell him yeah. that. <laughs> just anything you want to do musically. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, his, set, his answer... I was a little sad when he's like, I don't even know if I know how to write music anymore. It's like, I, oh, he's just come being on. humble. Yeah. But in the progression of the event of Magfest, the Q and A that you were mentioning earlier, well, that true. was a little later on in that weekend, and it did seem that he had a different different attitude towards I agree. composing. But yeah, I but agree. He was that. charged up. All right, guys, let's play something from another obscure arcade game that Takashi Tateishi got to work on in around the same era as Mega Man 2, kind of that late 80s, early 90s era. Uh, this is Willow. Now, this was a movie <laughs> featuring Warwick Davis, and for whatever reason... A they, Lucasfilm movie. Yeah, yeah, they made an arcade game, and I can't imagine it was good or popular. Um, it's funny, I can picture the, the art on the cabinet, but I can't mm. picture the game. For some reason. For whatever reason, uh, Capcom worked on this game, I think, and Takashi Tateishi worked on the score. And this is a really exciting track. It's stage one. It's kind of rousing and fun. Uh, let's take a listen to this from Willow. listening to stage one from willow composed by takashi tateishi this is wonderful you can tell he's going for kind of a film so approach gorgeous yeah, I, I, really good. I, I, I there's so many things that this track made me think about i mean definitely film music i it reminded me a little bit of some of the music from like little nemo the dream master sure, oh, really sure child friendly what's well, cool sweetness. it seems kind of inspired by james horner's theme from the the movie right but um it's really its own piece of music and it's, yeah this is class yeah it's actually not a side that we've heard from Takashi Tateishi on today's episode well, or maybe anywhere The, the last time gorgeous. I felt this way was when we did our Manami Matsumai episode after yep. that interview and kind of focusing on her versatility and all again it's like she's someone who's so known for a very specific handful of games but has really left such an impact and is such a versatile composer. I feel the same way about Tateishi-san. Well, let's play. We're going to end our playlist here. Let's play a track from Mighty Number no. 9. This is very historic because it was the first time in, I don't know how many years, 25 <laughs> years maybe, that Takashi Tateishi came back and, and wrote one piece of music for a video game. Which means there's still hope for the future. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. To quote Paul McCartney. <laughs> let's take a listen to Desolate Highway from Mighty Number no. 9, composed by Takashi Tateishi.
Well, they roped Takashi Tateshi into composing one track for Mighty Number no. Nine. Wow. So glad he did. Yeah, that's uh, so great listening to that again. There's it's there's elements that stellar, do so. remind me of some of his compositions in Mega Man Two. But Definitely. it's also it, it's like I don't know twenty or however many years older, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it still sounds really cool. And it's like kind of more it, of a his modern old music was EDM cool in the eighties, and this is cool now. I mean, yeah, I totally. like the again chromaticism that's sort of devious sound. But Marty, you were coming. That hook in the end, da, 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 yeah, that two-bar hook. It's da, like da, da, da. it's not where you expect it mm-hmm. structurally in the piece, and it's just oh, well. Isn't man, that another so thread of today's episode that like he's not a formulaic composer? He doesn't no. have like That's okay, this point. is how I write yeah. video game music. I have eight measures of this, and then I do this, and then you wrap it up into a bow. It feels like <laughs> he's genuinely inspired. And that the the melody and the groove is all uh, originally conceived for each piece of music. Right. It doesn't feel like there's some sort of formula that's garnering all of his decisions. Well, what I love right. is I imagine this was another great collaboration. I don't think Takashi was involved in the overall production and all those choices. I'm sure he composed it. Because this maybe sounds sent a demo. like the same production style as the rest of that. Yeah, and, and, and that's exactly what even what happened in Mega Man 2 was this wonderful collaboration. Uh, you know, so so guys, we're gonna play everyone out with. An absolute hit. This is Forest Fortress 1 from UN Squadron, composed by Takashi Tateishi, one of my favorite pieces of video game music. This was an absolute delight. We want to thank all of you guys for listening to the season and to this finale episode. Thanks, Marty, for joining us uh, to be a part of that interview at MAGFest and to join us today. Thank you. Dude, it's one of my fondest memories ever, and I'm just so happy to be reliving it and, yeah, yeah to be back on the podcast. Gets the, kind of the butterflies Thanks. back, doesn't it? Oh, my gosh. Completely. We're going to share that short little video of a short clip of us playing Airman, and you guys can see Takashi jamming out in the crowd. And we'll yeah, try to share that somehow. Uh, Mercado Network brother Matthew uh, shot that footage. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful season. We're going to play you out with Forest Fortress 1. Anything you got at the end here, Will? That's it for me. Enjoy the tunes, guys. Thank you to Takashi tateshi son for his time at MAGFest and for coming to MAGFest and talking with us. Thanks again to Mia and Alex and Travis. You guys rule. That's about it. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. I'm Marty. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.